Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Remembrance Sunday in Ballycrocken. Thank you for coming to church this morning to join with us in our Remembrance service. And if you're joining us from home, thank you for doing so and also for joining our Remembrance service. I'm pleased to welcome to our pulpit this morning the Reverend Terry Lafferty. Terry, if you recall, took our Remembrance service last year. And Terry, it's a joy to have you back again this morning. Thank you so much for coming. And he's brought some support this morning. His wife Sandra's come with him this morning. So Sandra, you two are very welcome to Ballycrocken. Now, an update on our announcements. First one's about our vacancy and our new minister. You will have seen on the loop going through. The Reverend Shaw's installation service will be in church here at 2 o'clock on Saturday the 8th of January. All members of the congregation are invited to be present. There's a soup lunch today. It's in the SPU, so at the end of the service, please go make your way to the SPU where the soup lunch will be if you're joining us. And Reverend Lafferty, within the benediction, if you would announce the grace for that soup lunch as well, please. Thank you. And if you're unable to attend but want to make a donation, there are some envelopes in the vestibule. Today's non-envelope offering is donated to the Earl Hague Fund. So if you want to make a contribution there, feel free to do so. The shoebox appeal starts tomorrow at 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock here at church. It runs every day this week at those times. And if you want to make a shoebox donation, then you're very welcome. And this sounds awful, but Toy Sunday's coming up next. More donations, and I apologize for that, but it's that time of year, isn't it? So if you want to make a donation to of toys for distribution via the Vine community to North Belfast, then please do so on Sunday the 5th of December. That's when those donations will be received. Those are the announcements for this morning. Reverend Lafferty, I invite you to take our service. Thank you so much. older folks as well but you're watching this service from we trust that you will know the lord's presence with you uh, the the lord jesus said where two or three gather together in my name there am i in the midst and so it's wonderful to know that his presence is with us as billy has said today is remembrance sunday and so our focus is going to be on that and we begin our service with a call to worship from Psalm 124 today, a psalm which declares how God, if it weren't for God, then we would not have freedom. So here the psalmist say, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. But praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the Lord is with us today. He's with you. He's with us. He's with you at home. 
And so we worship him and thank God that he is the one who sets us free. This church has much talent, uh, and so we're going to enjoy in a moment uh, the shrill sound of the pipes. The tune that's going to be played is The Flowers of the Forest, which is a lament for the army of James IV, the flower being all of those Scottish men who were slain with their king on the field of Flodden in Scotland way back in September 1513. Many, many wars have been fought since then. And so, as the piper now plays, there'll be pictures on the screen of that area in Scotland where the battle was fought. But hopefully, this moment with the sound of the pipes, which is, there's no other sound like it. Uh, hopefully, this will turn our hearts away from the things that we've been thinking about to the solemnity of this day. And also, obviously, that we remember those who have fallen. So let's hear together the flowers of the forest.
What a strange sound. What a beautiful place. And a big stone to remember many lives lost. We give thanks today that God has been with us and with our forebears through all the generations. And so we're going to stand now to sing. And the praise that we sing is a paraphrase of Psalm 46 that declares where our hope comes from. Today, if you're struggling, look to Almighty God. Why? Because the psalmist says, God is our strength and refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Let's stand to sing together. the Lord of hosts is with us evermore. And so we bow now to worship him in prayer. Let's join our hearts together as we come before the throne of grace. And as you close your eyes, I encourage you to open up your heart and your life. Open up all that you know of yourself to all that you know of God. And you might be surprised about what happens supernaturally as you engage with him now in worship. Heavenly Father, as we meet in your holy presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much that you're our strength and refuge, our ever-present help in time of trouble. 
For God, we ask that you would stir our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, so that we may be filled with awe and wonder in your presence, that we may be supernaturally prepared in heart and mind to worship you. You are the Lord of heaven and earth who created us in your image and likeness to be your stewards of this beautiful and bountiful earth. You call us to love justice, to show mercy, to walk humbly before you. And, O God, we thank you that there's so much of life for us to enjoy individually and together. And yet we confess that we can so easily find ourselves acting selfishly and often cruelly so that we might satisfy our own ends, even at the expense of others. And so, Father, please forgive us. You are awesome. You are our strength and refuge, always giving, always forgiving. And yet we can be so awful, always getting, and yet often forgetting. And so we lay our lives before you this morning. We know, Lord, that there's not one of us who deserves your love, let alone the amazing gift of salvation that you offer through the finished work of your Son, Jesus, at Calvary. And yet we're so thrilled and so grateful that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord Jesus, you rose again to provide a way to glorious transformation from the inside out. And so we come to you now. We come with all our faults and failings. We lay them all at your feet. And we ask that you'll remove our guilt and that you'll wash away every stain of sin, that you will clothe us in your righteousness that you will equip us supernaturally to worship and to work in such a way that Jesus might be glorified, that others might be blessed as we declare your greatness with our lips and with our lives. Lord, we're so grateful for every good thing that you provide so that our everyday lives might be inwardly fulfilling and outwardly fruitful. And we just ask that you would receive our thanks today and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might worship you with our whole being, that we might be recreated in such a way that every aspect of our lives will declare your praise on this Remembrance Sunday. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we come to the act of remembrance. The reading this morning is taken from Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. 
Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into printing hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty hath spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And now can I ask everyone to please stand. Thou shalt grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them.
us and say, for your tomorrow we give our today. And we will now sing the national anthem. Please be seated. Those words for your tomorrow we give our today are words that we must never forget. And so we want to affirm our faith again in God as we sing. We're going to sing the old hymn that's often sung at this season of the year, the season of remembrance. Uh, A hymn that reminds us that God is Emmanuel. He's God with us. As he was with us in the past, so he is with us in the future. And so we stand to sing, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come.
boys and girls can leave now for Sunday school. May God bless you and all that you learn today. And remember what we're all about today and give thanks for those who died so that you may be free and enjoy the freedoms that you share. Bill Aiken's going to come now and lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, on this special day of remembrance, we remember all who have suffered as a result of war and conflict. We especially remember the servicemen and women of our armed forces who lost their lives during the two world wars and the many localized wars in between and afterwards and up to the present day. In the comfort and security we enjoy today, we cannot imagine the horrors endured by our armed forces during the two horrifying world wars, many of whom were very young and inexperienced, finding themselves having to do things well beyond what would have been expected of them in normal life. And Father, we pray for those in our armed forces today, engaged in the defense of our country or in support of other friendly nations through deployment and peacekeeping roles in dangerous areas of conflict. We pray for their safety and your divine support for their families. We also pray and give thanks for those members of the armed forces who survived active service and were able to return home. But we know for a lot of them, a return to normality was not always the case. We pray for those who returned home with severe injuries, in many cases life-changing injuries, causing much pain and distress. And Father, we pray this morning for Morel, Morel Murphy, who's been taking part in this service this morning. Morel, a veteran of World War II who witnessed and experienced the horrors of war at sea. We pray that you will comfort him and shield him from his many distressing memories. We also remember those members and families of the Royal Ulster Constabulary, George Cross, full and part-time RUC Reserve, full and part-time members of the Ulster Defence Regiment and the Royal Irish Regiment, who lost their lives or were injured or phys- physically or mentally during the terrorist campaign here in Northern Ireland for well over a quarter of a century. Father, we find it difficult to accept that some of these terrorists now in public office show no remorse or apology for their criminal activity of their organizations in the past. We pray that you will soften their hatred and ferocity towards their fellow citizens by developing within them a tolerance and love that will enable the past to be left in the past and instead to look towards a peaceful future in the province in line with your wishes. Loving God, on this day of remembrance, we pray for your healing influence on those nations where there is currently conflict and unrest. We pray for those communities, including those isolated Christian communities living under oppressive regimes. We pray for those struggling with their daily lives under the shadow of death and destruction, fearing for their safety, 
and we pray for the millions throughout the world displaced from their homes to refugee camps. We pray that you will give wisdom and energy to all who bear the burden and privilege of political, military and religious leadership. Embolden them to raise their voices above those of warmongers by showing that there are much better ways other than war to resolve differences. Give courage and strength to all those who campaign for peace and who seek and encourage reconciliation and non-violent resolutions to conflict. Father, we know that your love embraces all of your wonderful creation and you never intended your people to behave in such a way towards each other. You have taught us that every woman, man and child is our neighbour, despite colour or creed. And you have commanded us to love each other without thought for our own security or glory or gain. Your kingdom knows nothing of the borders we draw between nations. Never let us forget that you have pronounced your blessing not upon nations and armies, but upon the poor, the meek, and the peacemakers. And finally, Father, on this Remembrance Sunday, as we remember with gratefulness those who gave their lives for our safety and freedom. May we always remember that your beloved Son, Jesus, gave his life for all of humanity. And so we pray that his loving influence will always prevail over the evil of the sinful world. And Father, we pray this through your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Our readings for today are solemn readings, as they remind us that uh, we don't always live our lives in such a way that God is pleased with us. And so I suppose there are times whenever we need to be pulled up short. And certainly as I read these readings and have prepared them, uh, I've been challenged in my own heart, and I trust that you will be as well. The first, both readings are taken from the Old Testament prophets. The first is from the uh, prophecy of Amos, chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 14. We're going to read 14 to 16 and then 21 to 27. If you have uh, the, the Bible on your phone or an, on an iPad, uh, you can follow on. Um, if you're at home and you haven't got a Bible um, and would like to be able to read God's Word, if you uh, look on the, the app store for BibleGateway.com, then you'll be able to find the Bible there and you'll be able to read it for yourself. So this is the Word of God, firstly from Amos chapter 5, where the, the challenge is strong. Seek good, not evil, that you may live, and then the Lord God Almighty will be with you. Just as you say he is, hate evil and love good, maintain justice in the courts, and perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says. There'll be wailing in all the streets and cries of anguish in every public square. Verse 21. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me, says God. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I'll not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river. 
Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings for 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. And so you can see from that reading that God is not pleased because people chose to worship in their own way. But thank God, he is a God of mercy. And so the second reading is from Isaiah chapter 59. And it's a prayer of confession followed by an amazing response that we find from God that gives us hope today and for the future. In Isaiah chapter 59, beginning at verse 12, we read, The people say, Our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies that our hearts have conceived. And so, justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. And so, his own arm achieved salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord Yahweh. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. Or there's an alternative verse, as you can see in the margin. When enemies come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will put them to flight. But here's what God says. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My Spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever. Thanks be to God for his word. And so we acknowledge that what we read in the scripture is true even of us in our time that we so often forget about God, that we turn away from him, that we do things in our own way, that we raise his anger. But we thank God that he is a God of mercy. And so we're going to continue our worship as we sing again, this time a more modern song, which says, Great is the darkness that covers the earth. What's the solution? The prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Pour out your spirit, we pray. We stand to implore God to come amongst us.
And Lord, we pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, because without your Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us, your word cannot be understood. But thank you that you come, Holy Spirit, to teach us all things about Jesus and his kingdom. And so may it be that in this meditation, that as we offer ourselves to you, as we open up our minds and hearts to you, that you would teach us what this important day is all about. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you all know that every year on Remembrance Sunday, we remember. We remember men and women from the Army, the Navy, Air Force, and many other agencies like the police, the fire service, and medical services who were wounded and died in bloody battles and wars. And we remember their courage, and we think about the painful losses that their families experienced, and many still experience today. And we remind ourselves that freedom is a very precious thing. We don't think about this enough, but on Remembrance Sunday, we have to stop and think that freedom is a very precious thing. And each one of us benefits every single day as a result of sacrifices made in awful and bloody wars. Although the First World War ended over a hundred years ago, 
And the Second World War ended over 80 years ago. We still enjoy a measure of worldwide peace and freedom that were bought at the cost of millions of precious lives all those years ago. Way back in the 4th century BC, an ancient historian called Herodotus said something that's very true. He said, in peacetime, sons bury their fathers, whereas in wartime, fathers bury their sons. That's so true, and it's so very painful. If you read the names in the cenotaph in Ward Park, and I encourage you to do that, especially those of you who are younger, go and look at the ages. Go and look at the, 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 the names there, and you'll see that many of them died when they were so young. And they had to be buried by grieving parents, or they were buried, many of them, in makeshift graves on the battlefield where they died. They couldn't bury them. They couldn't bring them home. And so there are many battlefields across Europe today. And nothing has changed in recent times. The reason why I wear the George Cross tie today um, is because my brother uh, was shot dead in 1972 just because he wore a now you see uniform with a desire to help people. That's why he joined, but he was gunned down. And the average age of servicemen who died in the recent war in Afghanistan was just 19. Think about that. They were just about old enough to vote, and yet so many have died in horrendous circumstances. And so it's really important today that we ask, why? What's this all about? Why is it important to have a Remembrance Day every year? Well, I offer three things for you to consider. The first is that it's important important that we have a Remembrance Day because it reminds us of something good. By remembering the past, we're all forced to think again about what really matters in life. There are some things that are so important that are worth fighting for, and some that are even worth dying for. And so today we remember soldiers who suffered and who died for worthy causes. They were prepared to oppose evil, to prevent injustice and oppression, to secure peace and freedom for our nation. And every single generation must decide whether these values are still worth fighting for. Whether that fight is on a battlefield, or in a council chamber, or in a courtroom, or even at the kitchen table as we sit down together to talk about what really matters. A famous Christian novelist called G.K. Chesterton said that the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, because that wasn't the case. Many of the people who went to war didn't hate the Germans. They They hated what they stood for. And so Chesterton said the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. And so we need to encourage our children and young people to think about freedom and justice and peace and morality and ethics. We need to ask, are these things valuable to you? They need to think about that. And if so, you need to think about what cost you might be willing to pay to enjoy them in your lifetime, now, in in 2021. You know, the Bible says that God is very serious about freedom and peace and justice. Our reading today teaches us that our hearts must be right before God if our lives are going to be right before men. 
That's very important to think about. We need to be right before God if we ever hope to be right before men. And peace and justice are so important, but they can only become real when we learn to live for God and for others, when we prioritize righteousness and justice. But what do these words mean? Well, righteousness is a big Bible word that speaks about getting ourselves in our right relationship with God. A simple definition, de- definition of sin is revolting against God by deliberately choosing to do our own things, our own way. But the tragic consequence of that sin is that sin makes our lives revolting to God. So as we revolt against God, we become revolting to God. Why? Because we live as though he doesn't exist and doesn't matter. And God won't put up with that. And so we need to confess our sins to Jesus. We need to allow him to take control of how we think and how we act. We need him to clothe us in righteousness because we don't have any of our own. And so we need to ask him for that today. And what about justice? Well, justice flows from that relationship. It's the fruit of a relationship with God as Jesus comes into our lives to change us from the inside out. And as we learn to care, to care for people as God would, so that nobody living around us is made fun of or mistreated or abused. But all are cherished. Why? Because every single human being is created in the image and likeness of God. In the little prophecy of Amos in the Old Testament, we discover something very challenging. That God gets very angry with some people who gather to worship. You would ask, how can that be? Sure, people have good intention when they come to worship. Well, God challenges that through his word. His anger is directed to to, uh, people who pretend to love him and others. Because he knows that they're just wearing Halloween masks. He sees the truth that they really couldn't care less about God or anybody else. And so, in Amos chapter 5, God tells us that outward things like religious rituals and festivals, like Remembrance Day, they do not mean anything to God without hearts that want to honor Him. And if we really want to honor Him, then we must prioritize what matters to Him, which is justice and righteousness. God says in verse 12, I know how many are your offenses and how great are your sins. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. Away with the noise of your songs. I'll not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow. Let righteousness flow like a never-ending stream. And so can you hear the heart of God in this? He's serious about justice and righteousness, and so must we. And so consider this. If he was here today in the flesh, Almighty God would look into your eyes, and he would say, why are you here today? What's it all about? Are you here because you love my son, the Lord Jesus? Are you here because you hate all the sin that he died to destroy? Are you here because you really do care about people? who have suffered and died in bloody wars for the sake of freedom and justice? Or are you just here today because it's a habit? It's an annual habit 
of going to remembrance services. If the Lord Jesus was here today in the flesh, he would say to you, listen, please don't play at religion. Don't just give me a few minutes on a Sunday and a few songs, a few coins in the collection plate. Give me what's right. Don't give me what's left. I can read your mind, you know. I know. I know the sinful things uh, in your life that are depriving people of justice, denying the cause of true civil and religious freedoms in your land. God knows these things. And so Jesus would say, let me change your heart so that in my strength you can fight valiantly against sin, the sin that destroys righteousness and justice and robs people of freedom. It's a God thing. It's not something we can do in our own strength. It's something that only God can help us to do. And so let's all remember God's command in Amos chapter 5. Let justice flow like a river. Let righteousness be like a never-failing stream. And the good news for all of us today is that Almighty God is a good and loving God, and he wants a world in which justice and righteousness flow like great rivers that bring food to the hungry and water to the thirsty and offer life and hope to people who live in deserts of all kinds, deserts of hopelessness, deserts of oppression, unemployment, corruption, pollution, and moral depravity. And so today, we remember something good. We remember people who have suffered and died for the things that really matter, whose memory we should honor forever. But the second thing is that we should also remember something bad. Sadly, because we live in an imperfect world full of imperfect people like you and me, there has never been a perfect war in human history. And no battle has ever been completely just. Many innocent people have died on every side in every war. And we do them an injustice by using obscure terms like collateral damage to describe countless beautiful lives that have been needlessly destroyed. And so let's not use terms like that. Let's just think of men and women and young boys and girls who went to war, who gave their lives. And because we must remember and, and acknowledge that there are bad things about our world and in our own lives, we need to ask for God's forgiveness regarding war. We need to pray that no such waste will ever happen again. But sadly, the fact that wars continue to this day is proof of that disease that I told you a moment or two ago. That disease that God calls sin in every human heart, in every generation of human history. Those of you who know anything about World War I will know that it was called the war to end all wars, wasn't it? But it wasn't. And so to this day, injustice occurs in every single time that one set of human beings harasses or destroys the lives of others. And to this day, there's also unrighteousness as people continue to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and Maker, who is the one and only Prince of Peace. And so sadly, here's the truth. Let's be honest about it. Next year at Remembrance Day, there'll probably be new families who are grieving, more names to be read out on memorial records. But the question that we must consider today, we can't talk about anybody else. All that we can do is decide what we're going to do. And so the question is, how can we change? 
Is there anything that I can do to stop the rot and give peace a chance? Well, thankfully, the message from the Scriptures is a resounding yes. In Isaiah chapter 59, we hear a prayer of confession from God's wayward people. We discover that whenever we repent, when we turn away from the bad, that God changes our perspective and He gives us supernatural help to overcome. And so in this passage, we discover that God sees our problem and he tells us what's the cause. He sees into our hearts and like a surgeon dealing with cancer, he draws our attention to all the selfish, sneaky and even downright sordid sins that we have allowed to grow in our lives. And whenever we allow them to grow, they produce a harvest of of injustice and unrighteousness. And so what do we do? Well, we need to stop and think. When black people were being persecuted because of their color in the United States, the famous civil rights campaigner, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, told his disillusioned followers something that we can learn from. He said, if we're to look forward, we must go back and rediscover those precious values, that all reality hinges on moral foundation." And that all reality has spiritual control. Spiritual control. That means that we need to look outside ourselves. We need to look to God. And that's why Isaiah gives us a reality check. In Isaiah 59 and verse 12, he blurts out to God, Our offenses are many in your sight. Our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. We acknowledge our iniquities. We can't help ourselves, in other words. In the year 1910, there was a long debate in the letters uh, section of the Times newspaper. It went on for weeks and weeks about what was wrong with the world. Was it war that was wrong? Was it lack of education? Well, the most famous entry in that whole discussion was by that same Christian novelist that I mentioned a moment or two ago, uh, G.K. Chesterton. He wrote a letter to the Times saying, what's wrong with the world? He wrote just eight words in response. Dear sir, I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. You see how honest that is? So you don't point the finger at other people. You remember when you point the finger at other people, there are three fingers that are pointing back at you. And so Chesterton was willing to say, What's wrong with the world? Me. There's something wrong in me that needs to be changed. And so even the youngest people in church today know that the word sin has that letter I in the middle of it. And the power of sin in all of our lives is very real. It makes us think and say and do things that suit ourselves, disregarding the will of God and the desires and the needs of other people. But if all of us act in selfish and sinful ways, what's that going to do? What's the result of that? What's the consequence? What's the fruit? The fruit is that family life becomes very difficult. That all of our contacts with other people, whether it's at home or at school, at work, or even in our recreation, all of our relationships become strained because of that letter I in the word sin. Because we do what we want. And so everything goes wrong. 
And so we don't think the right things. We don't say the right words. We don't do the right things. And so the world around us becomes a battleground. Does your life feel like that today? A battleground? With the result that we need to face up to this reality that Isaiah speaks out. Justice is driven back. Righteousness stands away at a distance. What's he saying? He's saying that our lives are not as God and others would like them to be. Are we willing to admit that today? On this Remembrance Sunday? Today we remember something good, that some things are worth living and dying for. We also remember something bad, that sin and selfishness can destroy our lives and our relationships. But thank God, Remembrance Day also reminds us about something great. Isaiah tells us that God looked on the world and he saw no justice. There was nobody to help the people to break the cycle of sin. And so in verse 17, we see that God stepped in to provide a supernatural solution. Did you see how God put on a soldier's uniform and set out to save his people? The prophet Amos longed for righteousness to flow like a river. And in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19, we rejoice that God himself promises that he will come like a pent-up pent flood of blessing. The Hebrew text for that verse 19 is complicated, and that's why there are two interpretations of it in your Bible. The alternative one says, When enemies come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will put them to flight. And so we should shout, Hallelujah, we're not on our own. God is with us. He is our strength and refuge, we sang at the very beginning. And you know, it's amazing. If we just take time to stop and think, it's amazing to reflect that in Old Testament times and also today, God has fought many battles for his people. And yet the sad thing is that no sooner does the blessing come than we turn away. We turn away from him and get trapped in our own sinful ways again. And so, dear friends, if you're willing to acknowledge that, then you'll begin to understand why, why God had to send his only son, the Lord Jesus. He was the only one who could break the power of sin. He was the only one who could enable people like you and me, who sin all the time, who rebel against God, who revolt against him and become revolting to him. Jesus is the only one who can actually enable us divinely to live in love. And we know from his story that his uniform was not spick and span with the three stripes of, stripes of a sergeant on his shoulder. No, no, no. His stripes were ripped into his back by the repeated swing of a Roman whip before they took him and hung him on a cross at Calvary. And so I want you to please think about why, why Christians like us have spent the last 2,000 years in every generation, why is it that the message of Christ crucified has repeatedly been preached? Considering the fact that Jesus' death seemed to be the greatest act of unrighteousness and injustice that was ever committed in human history. Well, a glorious answer to that question, why, 
is that what sinful people meant for evil, God turned for good. Jesus' death led to the greatest victory that this world has ever known because Jesus didn't just win freedom for the nations as the Allied soldiers did in the Great Wars. No, the hymns that we sing tell us so much. The hymn writers seem to be able to put in a few words what really matters in relation to this great victory. And so I share with you the words of just two hymn writers, Cecil Francis Alexander. She lived in Straban. Uh, she wrote the famous words of the hymn, There's a Great Green Hill Far Away Outside the City Wall. In that hymn, she says, He died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good. We couldn't become good ourselves. He died to make us good. Why? That we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. There's no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And in terms of our day-to-day life, this struggle that you and I have with sin, where we do our own thing and disregard others, what's the solution to that? Well, in that great great, uh, hymn of Augustus' top, top lady, Rock of Ages cleft for me, he has these words, Be of sin the double cure, Send me, uh, save me, or cleanse me from its guilt and its power. Cleanse me from its guilt and its power. Are you caught in sin today? Are you trapped? Are you enslaved? Do you know that you can't overcome your anger, your addiction, whatever it is that you're struggling with? Do you know that? Well, here's the hope for you on this Remembrance Sunday. Jesus can break the power of sin in your life. He gives you a double cure. He cleanses you from its guilt so that you're no longer guilty before God, that you, know, you cease to become an enemy of God, you become a friend instead. But also in your day-to-day life, in relation to the things that you struggle with, He gives you supernatural power to overcome. And so the great news for us in this Remembrance Sunday is that the exciting thing about the Christian faith is that followers of Jesus can face the profound challenges of life in 2021 with supernatural help. Not just relying on yourself, but crying out to the Lord every day, Lord, come and live your life through me. And so the Christian hope is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, God's enemies called Satan, sin, and death were defeated. And God's righteousness was made available to every single sinner like you and me who ever made an informed choice to surrender their lives to Jesus. I wonder, have you ever done that? I encourage you to do it today. And so hear this. From Calvary, that place where Jesus died outside Jerusalem. I've been there. Perhaps many of you here have been there as well. It's a real place. This is history we're talking about. It's not a fairy story. Jesus Christ really lived. He really died. And he really rose again. And so from that place called Calvary, outside Jerusalem, a river of justice and righteousness flows for all eternity, for every generation, for every sinner like you and like me. And so as we follow Jesus day by day, we find ourselves caught up in this never-failing stream. And we 
become soldiers in the army of the Lord, who will stand tirelessly for justice and righteousness. And so that's what we need to do in our time in 2021. Throughout history, Christians have led the fight against slavery, against child poverty, against the sex trade, and all forms of injustice wherever they have been found. And the call to us in our time is to do the same. In 2021, we must fight for our democratic freedoms. We must fight for the future of our children and grandchildren who are being brainwashed concerning their God-given sexuality and gender. We must fight for truth and righteousness and justice. Because if we don't fight, we're going to lose our freedoms, the freedoms for which men and women died in bygone days. And so on this Remembrance Sunday, we remember three things. We remember something good, that people have suffered and died for the things that really matter, that we must cherish and protect. We also remember something bad, that our sinful hearts are diseased by that awful thing called sin. And so we need supernatural help if we really want peace and righteousness and justice to reign in our lives and in our circumstances. And we also remember something great, that Jesus died and rose again so that sinful people like you and I might be supernaturally changed, that our lives might make a real difference for God and for good in this world. And so I ask that you pray about those things so that you'll not forget those important reasons as to why we should have a Remembrance Sunday. And so, as we bring our time of worship to an end, we declare that this whole earth belongs to God. And we acknowledge with the writer of Psalm 42 and verses 1 and 2 that our only hope is to be found in living according to His way as His Holy Spirit and His Word sustain us, our children and our grandchildren. So we stand to sing, this earth belongs to God, the earth its wealth, and all its people. We worship God.
And so as you go, I remind you again of the words that we read in Isaiah 59. These are the words that God speaks over you. He says, this is my covenant with you. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. My words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. So be encouraged. God will give you supernaturally all that you ever need. And so hear God's blessing upon you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and all whom you love, that you may go to serve him, to be salt and light for him today and every day. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity now to share food together. We ask for your blessing upon us, and we ask that as you bless us, you will make us a blessing for your glory and the good of all. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.